It was pretty clear that Rome Ulia was headed for prison or a violent death on the streets. But then came a baby, a bus stop, and an ancient book. This is Signs of the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. I'm here with Rome Ulia, who has an incredible story in this month's Signs of the Times magazine. In fact, you got the front cover, Rome. You're a very photogenic looking guy, you know, so... <laughs> no, good, good on you. Look, it, it is an incredible story. I actually heard it first uh, when you spoke at a, a conference up yep. in uh, Toowoomba, I think it was, and yep. and and the the theme of the conference was was looking at understanding Bible prophecy and trying to help everyday people to, to understand what that might mean. And and you got up there and you told this incredibly powerful personal story a, about your life that certainly did include your encounter w- with the Book of Daniel, but it was. Yep so much bigger than that and I remember the the sort of MC after you saying well um, that was a bit different <laughs> um, <laughs> like, like like maybe that they hadn't quite expected um, you to sort of come at the topic from from that perspective but um, so f- yep. f- so from telling your story that there at Toowoomba and other places we have told it what sort of re- yep. response do you get you know I get a lot of people coming up to me talking to me about uh, how they've been praying for their children, they've been praying for their loved ones, and some of them felt discouraged whether or not God was hearing their prayers or whether whether or not God was able to help them in their situation. But after hearing my story and how long my mother prayed, they were they they, they were just so um, you know they, they they would come over and say, please pray for us, and um, you know thank you for the encouragement because uh, you know they they felt like a year or two years was you know nothing was happening and they 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 lost um you know that sort of hope. That, that God was going to do something for them, uh, hearing that my mother was praying for like almost th- 30 years for me wow. to, to, to give my life to God. Uh, my mother, she, she plays a huge part in my, in my testimony. She, she, she's a woman of prayer. She prayed from as young as when I was, as young as I could remember, around the age of three and four, I, I can still remember her praying for us around that bed, uh, even though she was told by my father that she, she wasn't allowed to practice her faith at home and I, I would um, remember her praying for us and, um, you know, I'd go for a series of court cases and she was there praying for us and even now she's still praying, you know? Yeah, yeah. But that, I have to admit, that's what really impressed me about her because, you know, sometimes we get this vision of, of church people who are, you know, so heavenly minded that they're no earthly use. But, that's right. <laughs> but, 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 when, right. but when you you depict your mother coming right there into the courtroom, you know, with, with you or, or your brother in, in trouble there and yeah. her, you know, praying, you can just see her silently praying there, you know, praying, praying for yeah. your, praying for your souls, praying for the outcome and for God's will to be done. I thought, wow, this is a woman for whom prayer is, is a weapon of, of everyday warfare. And yeah. It's, yeah. I, I was, you know, I read the story of Joseph and I, and, and I see the series of events that, that Joseph went through and they were all like terrible events. I, I was thinking, at what point are you going to break and give up? Mm-hmm. And looking at my mother, she, 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 used to hold, she used to hold my hand at the age of like five, six, going to school, or we'd go into, we'd go into the nearby town and we'd walk past the courtrooms and she'd say, son, I never want to see you here at these courtrooms. You know, I pray that you would never be here. And, um, you know, when I became a teenager, I was there almost religiously every year. Mm. And I thought, you know, if that was me, I would have seen, I would have seen that as a sign like, 
you know, my prayers aren't working. Maybe I should have abandoned my faith. But that wasn't mum. You know, she went through a whole series of um, uh, terrible events, you know, with my father, with me and my brother. But nowhere in, in, in our story did we see her showing any signs of, like, giving up on her faith. But, yes, sure, we did see her at moments where she would be in tears, where she would, like, when she would pray, it was like she was wrestling in her prayers, you know? Mm-hmm. And I still have those memories of her in my mind, you know? Wow. Certainly, like, in, in the article that, that does appear in, you know, the June edition of, of Science of the Times, um, yeah. your, your mother's presence and your mother's prayers are this sort of, this theme that, that is sort of between the lines, sort of un, undergirding the story. But but what's more on the surface that I find really interesting is your relationship with your father, because you, you, say, yeah. in that, you say in the article that he was a pretty sort of tough dude who had very high expectations for his kids and w- was not the, the not a particularly warm and, and cuddly man and, and was very, right. ve- very hard for, for you guys to feel that he was ever proud of you or, or that he ever you know, yes. re- really loved you. But the story that you tell is, is one of reconciliation between you yeah. and him. And, and it's, you know, by the end of the story, you're incredibly close. Can you just give us a thumbnail sketch of, of what happened there? Sure. You see, my, my father, I, I don't know whether it was the old school or how they were in, in, in the islands, but they never, ever expressed uh, their feelings towards their sons. Um, it, it was always hard love. And um, at home, whenever I'd do anything, he would never say that he was proud of me. And um, I always knew that I was um, in trouble when he would, like, have me in front of him. And, and then he's, he, he wants to have a talk with me. So the only time Dad wanted to talk with me is when I've done, a, you know, when I've messed up. So I, I thought that was just the norm. And it wasn't until I went to school, we had athletics day at, at primary school, and I remember all the parents there with their children and they were, you know, just affirming them, saying to them, mm. you know, Cheering them once you come, we're proud of you, you know? Uh, and then, then I thought, you know, something wrong with them, you know, that, that's just wrong. And then I started seeing more and more parents doing that with their children and I realized now that there's something wrong with me and my relationship with my father. Mm-hmm. And so it's, we, it, we, we, we had this relationship where I was just afraid of him. Yeah. I feared him. It's it's interesting, Rome, that um, you know, you ended up. What's well, tragic, really, that you ended up with a, a life of you know gangs and crime and you know and this yes. sort of stuff on on the streets of Auckland there, and and I wonder, yeah. you know, how many other um, you know young boys, young kids out there on the street with you, um, oh. were, perhaps came from a similar background with, with either an, yeah. an, an absent father or or a father who wasn't you know might as well have been absent you know for all the connection they had with him. Absolutely. You know, when we, when I was, um, when that edition came out, one of my friends, he's still, you know, he's still in, involved in the, 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 you know, with gangs. He, he rings me up and says he actually saw the edition and, and he was reading it online. Oh, no way. And, and he, it, yeah, one of the things he said to me was, you know, I read that story, Rome, and I just, uh, you know, you, you're talking about our story. You're talking about my story. Mm-hmm. You're talking about, you, you, you're a representative of all of us that, that went through that and somehow... You, you you know you've you've broken free and started a new life and it, it kind of gives us hope that there is also hope for us to get out of this one day you know and he said to me pray pray to your God for me you know that that, that there's a way out for for some of us so you're right there's there's a lot of guys out there who have had broken homes who've had broken relationships with, uh, with their fathers and have not reconciled but like my father when he gave his life to God. Uh, his his story is an amazing story mm. that, um, you know, he's on his way 
to, to he's on his way home from work and his car breaks down. He has two items in the car. That's a potato, a 20 kg potato sack and uh, a beer crate. Yeah. And he could only take one of those to the nearest bus stop. And, to t- you know, as an indication of where he was in his life at the time, mm. he took the beer crate. Yeah. Left yeah. the 20 kg potato sack at, in the car. Yeah. Goes to the nearest bus stop and there at that bus stop, behind that bus stop in central Auckland, there's a, there's a hall there, uh, a school hall at Natapwai College where they were they had an evangelistic series, a Daniel Revelation Prophecy Seminar. Oh, and okay. And hearing that, that, that sermon, uh, you know, I could just see my dad in the beginning of that sermon cringing and just wanting his bus to come. But his mm-hmm. bus comes 20 minutes into the sermon. Well, and well, yeah, because your dad was very anti-religion up to that point, wasn't he? Oh, he was. He used to make a mockery of religion. He used to, he used to mock my mother's faith. He used to have a joke or two about, about you know, the Gospels. He just had nothing good to say about religion or in, in, in Christianity. That while he was standing out there, I, you know, I, I wasn't there, but I could just picture him just mm-hmm. cringing as he's hearing the sermon. But 20 minutes into the sermon, he's, he's heard something that he's never heard. You know, he's listening to something he's never heard before. And um, as he's listening, his bus comes. He, he allows the bus to go. In fact, there were two buses that came, and he let both buses go. He would not leave <laughs> until that sermon had had concluded. Wow, so it, it's it's incredible, it, and and that obviously is is the beginning of a, an incredible change of heart for him, which, yes. which which led to an incredible reconciliation for you. Do do you, yes. do you find that you you parent? Like, how many kids do you have now? I have five children. Whoa. We have five kids. No way. Okay. Yeah, we, so, have five, we have five children, three girls that own me and two boys. Wow. So how, how do you yeah. find that, that your experience with your father and, and the change that you saw him make and, and the reconciliation that you and him were, were able to make, you know, eventually after he, you know, had this incredible, you know, transformation in his life, how, how do you perhaps, you know, father or, or parent differently because of, of what you've been yes. through? You see... I'm, I'm, I'm like so uh, anti-violence right now mm-hmm. than I am with my life. Yep. Uh, every, every time, you know, my, my children mess up, you see, I'm, I'm the last one that, that discipline them. I, I should, I, you know, I should, I should tell them off and stuff, but even telling them off, I've, I've become somebody that just wants to move so far away from, from violence because of what I, you know, what happened to me growing up. Sure. But then, you know, I, I, I'm at that place now with my children where communication is everything. Yeah, we, 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 we talk about everything, the good times and the bad times. I affirm them. I tell them how much I love them. My, I even sing to my girls, you know. They get <laughs> sick of it to the point where they get embarrassed at school. They're, Dad, you've got to stop. But I, you know, I, I can't. I can't help it, you know. I, I just want them to know that I'm, 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 you know, I'm there for them and I love them. And um, I'm, I'm really conscious about that because I know that when I was growing up, it's one of those things that I went searching for in the world. You know, I was mm. searching for affirmation. I was searching to be loved. And um, I learned so much about what I should be, what I shouldn't do as a father growing up with, you know, with, with yeah. my dad. And it was just, it was just amazing that when my dad had his transformation, the way he was with our, uh, the way he is with his grandchildren. Yeah. I'm like, you know, this is a completely different person. Like yeah. dad, you know, you were hard on me. Why are you not hard on the children? And, you know, dad had, had, had completely changed his mind about, you know, um, affirming us as, as, as his children, his grandchildren, showing us love. And I guess it, it's that picture of Jesus 
you know, uh, coming out of the water and hearing the, uh, coming out of baptism and hearing his father, you know, affirm him. That picture of Jesus being mm. affirmed by his father and Jesus affirming his disciples, is, it really rubbed off on my dad and, and it's rubbed off on me. And we have this family now where, uh, like me and my brother, uh, the way we are towards our kids, it's, it's, it's just so much love in the house and it's because of that, you know. Yeah, wow. I, I, I really want our, our listeners to, you know, get a mental picture of, of this, you know, when you say you, you sing to your daughters and because, um, yes. I mean, you know, here's, here's a guy, you know, who's, who's a power lifter, um, you know, <laughs> big, big muscly dude, like tattoos, you know, all, all down his arms and, and he's a big, a big softy there, there with his girls um, singing songs. It's, yeah. it, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a beautiful image, Rome. It, it really is. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, now just, just back Back to the um, the gang thing because often yeah. you know pe- people tell these terrible stories. You know, oh, I was into gangs and drugs, and you know, in the gutter, and <laughs> and now God's changed my life. And your story is one of those. But but what I find interesting in that is that in that gang scene, you actually saw some positives there. You saw some incredible loyalty there in in the gang scene yeah. that that really in has impressed you for for the rest of your life. Can you tell us a, a little bit about yeah. that? Some of these boys that 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 ended up uh, joining gangs with me, I, I remember them as kids. I mean, we we were all playing, you know, out on the streets together as kids, living in these flats, two, you know, one bedroom flats, and we had families like, you know, uh, five six families, you know, all, all in these small little houses out in South Auckland and West Auckland. And as when when we grew up, we we were so lost as to who we were. We, you know, where do we fit in? Uh, who are we? You know, we had an identity crisis to because we were we we're Samoans living in New Zealand, yeah. And the Samoans, the, the islanders, they only migrated into uh, the cities in New Zealand during the the the, the late sixties, early seventies, when the factories had all opened up. Yeah. And so during during that during that time, you know, we we built this 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 brotherhood. It was a brotherhood that uh, we had we we had this code to no matter what we'll back each other up. We would be there for one another, and you know it, it still still kind of breaks my heart when I, when I think about it now. Some of my close friends who are no longer here today. I've got a picture uh, of uh, me and my boys, only you know only two of us alive in one of those pictures, mm-hmm. and you know, so, you know we, we we all chose you know different paths, and um, even though so, some of them are still in the gang life, and some of them made the wrong decisions, and some of them lost their lives. To me, they'll, they'll forever be my brothers because we were loyal to, to, to each other. We were there for, for one another. I was 13 years old when I rocked up to a, um, a gang party where uh, guys were all gathered there, all wearing one color. Yep. And I turned, up, um, I turned up amongst them as a 13-year-old kid who lied to his parents and said that he was that, you know, sleeping at his friend's house, but it yeah. was just an excuse to turn up to this gang gathering. And at 13 years old, I turned up to that gathering out in New Lynn, Rada Village, I had a blue bandana on my head, and one of the guys walked out of there, snatched it off my head, and he was in his early 20s, this guy, and he just smashed me right in the nose, wow. and um, threw, threw the bandana back at me, and he said, you got to bleed for your colors. Yeah. You don't just rock up here wearing your colors. You know, you bleed for it. Yeah. You know, I've, 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 I've you know, been stabbed, uh, been in hospital, almost losing my life, and and reflecting back to that moment when I first gave my life to gangs, you know, I, I bled to get in. So I, I remember saying to myself in that hospital, you know, almost losing my life. I said, you know, this is the life I, uh, this is the life I chose. You know, we, we're going to bleed for this. We'll die for this. This mm. is it. Wow. There's no way out. 
you know, we, 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 we we're going to die for, for, for each other. And there was a sense of um, excitement about that as well because you felt like you were dying for something mm. that was worthy. And, and belonging and, and purpose. Yeah. I mean, it was the first time I ever felt true love yeah. amongst these guys who the, we, we used to have a saying. It was like one call away. You know, we would we just make that one call and we're all there. Cars will be, yep. you know, we'll, 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 we'll all gather in that one place and all the boys will be there just to make sure that that one guy's safe. Or, you know, if, if another gang, a rival gang was coming after one of us, he'll have to deal with all of us, you know. And, that, wow. that, and, and sometimes these sometimes these gang warfares will go on for weeks, months, even years, and some of them don't stop until somebody dies. Yep. You're like like the title like, of your article, you know, blood in, blood out, you know, and, and sometimes yeah, that's that, right. Sometimes that's, that's the only way you, you leave the gang and, and that's in a in a in a box, sadly. Yeah, well that's it. I, I still remember a guy who said to me, um, you know, after he was patched up, you know, he, he spent like two months as a as a patched up gang member, uh one of one of the notorious bikey gangs in New Zealand. After two months in there, uh, he realized, oh, this is this is not good for me and my family. He goes to hand his patch back in, and they said to him, well, what do you think this is? You think this is a boys' club? Mm. You, you know, just come in here and hand, hand in your patches. It, you know, that was the sort of gang culture that, that was in New Zealand. It was, you know, once you're in, you're in for good. Mm-hmm. And for me, as I look, I, I, I look at my life and, and I look at some of the boys that I was with, and we were so so close. It wasn't it wasn't it wasn't about gangs for me. It was more like a brotherhood. Mm. We were there, ready to die for each other. Yeah. When my son was born, changed mm. everything for me. Yeah. Tell me about that. My my son. Uh, see, when when his mother uh, told me that she that she was uh, she was pregnant, I wasn't ready to be a father. I, I had run away from home. My my relationship with my father was broken. I was an, I was I knew I was going to be a good father. So I told her that, you know, we were going to get rid of the baby. Mm. We, we both agreed to it. We, we went to Green Lane Hospital in Auckland and we made an appointment and they told us that we needed to go through a series of counseling sessions before they could do that. Yep. And so we went through the, the counseling sessions. We, 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 you know, we signed the papers, we made the agreement and, and we went in for the day. So I still remember that day like it was yesterday. I was, I was outside, you know, the office waiting, you know, for her to turn up. Mm. And our appointment was at 10 o'clock yep. in the morning. She didn't turn up. Yep. So I, you know, I, I, I knew she wasn't going to come to it. So I went uh, to a nearby payphone. I called her up and left a nasty message on, on, on the phone telling her, you know, pretty much you're on your own. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's about nine months later, I get this phone call from someone from her family saying to me, you know, Rome, I just want you to know that you, you, know, you had a son today, mm. just so you know. And as much as I wanted to, like, uh, you know, forget about it and, you know, as much as I wanted to hold on to my stubbornness and, and blame her for, for going ahead with this, the pregnancy, there was this, I had this feeling of excitement and um, curiosity. Uh, and, I, and I just said to the boys, you know, let's, let's, let's go and check this out, man. Let's, let's go and uh, I just, I'm going to be in and out. Trust me, I'm going to be in and out. <laughs> now, the person, the person that walked into that hospital was a person that was willing and ready to die for, for, for my boys. I yep. had something to die for. Yep. I walked into that hospital and I saw my son for the first time and I held him close to my chest. I could feel him breathing on my neck. I was like, my whole life changed. Mm-hmm. Um, everything changed for me. I, I, what was supposed to be an in and out moment ended up being a, a, a three and a half hour moment. <laughs> and so while, you know, when I walked out of that hospital, uh, for me, I was like, 
forget something to die for. I've, I've got something to live for. You know? Yeah, yeah. I've got something that, I, that you know, I'm excited about. I, I can't wait to see him tomorrow. I can't wait to, to celebrate his first birthday. His first birthday. I, I just had all these things in my head. And when I jumped in the car, the, the boys went to reverse and they just looked at me and they said, in and out. <laughs> and you know, I looked at them and I said, I, I, you know, I wanted to explain to them how I felt, but none of them would would, would know how I felt because none of them were a father at the time. Yeah, when we went down Lincoln Road, uh, you know, just to give you an insight of what that 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 effect had on me, the boys went to do a burnout down Lincoln Road, and I snapped and I said to the driver, "Hey, this is this road here is this sixty. <laughs> you know, you drive fifty, and they were all like freaked out in the car. They're like, hey, "What are you talking about?" And the driver said, "Dude, you know what? Serious about it. You know, I'll, I'll drop it down to forty-five even." Uh, but for me, I, I said under my breath, and I said it to them, like, "Dude, I want to, I want to be alive to see my son tomorrow." Yeah. And, and you could hit somebody who, who who could be somebody's father, could be somebody's son. All of a sudden. You know, I've, I've fallen in love completely. You know what, what, what? You know the epitome of what it means to be in love. Yeah. Um, you know, I was so in love that I, w- I was ready to sacrifice anything. I was ready to give up anything to to have that life with him. It was always at the back of my head, but I never really acted it out until you know until a series of court cases where I was done for so many different things mm. that I, I, I realized. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm either going to be, I'm either going to go to prison for life mm. or I'm going to end up, you know, I'm going to end up dead in the streets. So I, I made a decision, you know, after I, I was done for, you know, a crime that I did back in New Zealand. Mm. Um, I, I, you know, I was locked up and when I, when I got out, the, the very first, the, the very first thing after those um, series of court cases, how to remand, um, uh, the only thing that was in my mind now was get out of gangs get out of, get out of uh, New Zealand and, and, and start a new life somewhere. Mm-hmm. And when I heard that my brother was in Australia, uh, to me, it was perfect. But yeah. now it was like, can I get into the country? You know, can I, can I get into Australia? <laughs> yeah, with, yeah, with your record, that would be really hard. Well, yeah, it was, man. They held me up at customs and they, they had to question me what, what, what was my intentions. Uh, you know, they started talking to me about people who I was affiliated with. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, by the grace of God, man, you know, after like few hours of, of being questioned, they gave me my passport and my backpack. That's all I had was just a, was just a bag over my shoulder. And, and I walked out of there and uh, jumped, on a, jumped, jumped on a train, got off at Central and asked the, the booth, uh, how can I get to Marset? You know, I'm looking for my brother's address and mm-hmm. he was living in Kurumbong mm-hmm. at the time. Yep, yep, wow. And look, I mean, yeah. if uh, our listeners will, will have to check out the article for themselves to sort yep. of to, to, to read what happens next because it, it is incredible how you came to Australia and, and following your, your dad's example, you you discovered how, you know, Jesus became very real to you and, and your life, you know, undertook yet another transformation, which, which is really amazing. But I mean, a transformation to the point that you're actually pastoring now, um, yes. which is just, you know, pretty pretty unbelievable considering, you know, how much you hated school and how much you hated religion and there you are um, one, one thing I, I'd like to ask you about um, and I, I was actually listening to an interview with someone that we we both studied with at college um, Ben Taval yeah. who's um, he, okay. yeah yeah he's he's pastoring in, in WA and he's he's pastoring yeah. a church there and um, they're doing some incredible work reaching out to the oh, community you know c- 
connecting yeah. with people in, in a real way, uh, making a real positive difference to their community, which I think is incredible. And I guess yeah. I, I just wonder, you know, you talking about your your experience with the, the loyalty in gangs and then your experience of discovering how precious life is and, and then yeah. your ex- and then your experience of discovering how how precious, you know, Jesus is to you. How does that affect Absolutely. yeah, how does that affect the way you you minister and the way you encourage your congregation to you know to pursue God, to look after one another, to um, consider the needs of their community. Sure, you know I've, I've I've come into the ministry with this experience that I've had out in the streets and this this understanding of of a need for 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 for, for someone to be there for for people you know that for someone to be there in someone's you know most difficult times uh, trials. So, so for me, having that sort of understanding, while I'm ministering in the church, I'm trying to get people to, to see that there's a need out there for, for the young ones. There's a need out there for people who are involved in drugs. There are people out there who are homeless that, 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 that need to hear this message. And for me, I was like, here's a message that transformed my father. It transformed me. It transformed my brother. You know, I'm, I'm 120% certain that the message will do uh, will do its work of of transforming lives, and um, I've, I've used it now. You know the message as as a part of my life to go out into the community to to, to people who I meet at the bus stop, people I meet at the supermarket. My house is no longer my house. I've opened it up to people. I'm mentoring young you know young kids who are, who are at the age of 15, 16, mentoring them through training, talking about life and praying with them talking to them about the importance of have, you know, building relationships, having a brotherhood, being there uh, for, for each other, creating community, uh, you know, in a world that's, you know, so individualistic. And so it's like, it's, you know, uh, for me, I have this, this, this passion because I know what it's done for me. I know how much it's changed my life. And I know how much my family needed, you know, Christ in order to bring about a, a, a change in our families and to strengthen those um, relationships that was there. And listen, you know, that doesn't mean that, um, you know, our, our problems all of a sudden disappeared. They didn't. Yeah. We had problems when we were non-Christians. And we got problems now as Christians. The difference is we've got hope now. We're not, we're not, we're not on our own. You know, we're not by ourselves. There's no, there's, we're not in that state of hopelessness where we think, oh, you know, who's, who's, who's going to help us out in this situation? Who's, who's walking with me? You know, there are times when I wasn't alone, but I felt lonely. Yeah. Now, you know, having this faith with God, um, having uh, journeying with God, not being walking with God since 2007, and I've never, ever come to that place where I've, you know, felt alone and, and completely all by myself, isolated. I know that every time I feel that, you know, I'm in a place where, you know, I'm, I'm going through a dark time in my life, mentally and emotionally, yeah. I just get down on my knees and I do exactly what my mother did. I'm praying, but I'm praying and, 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 and resting with faith, knowing that God will deliver, God will come through. Um, and I'm doing that for, for those who are going through difficult times uh, here in, in, in the community that I'm, I'm ministering in as well. Uh, you know, I'm ministering to uni students, to high school students, uh, those who are in the church, those who have left the church, those who are in, uh, from different religions, uh, yeah. Muslims and Hindus. We've opened up our house and because I've got that sort of ex- ex- experience of people where, you know, who, who are in the real world, I, you know, for me, I, like, I feel I can speak their language. I can, I can yeah. you know, meet them halfway and talk to them about, you know, about, about the love of Christ and how he has transformed my life and that sort of thing. So. 
Man, incredible. Look, um, yeah. I, I just thank you so much, uh, Rome, for being open about your story. I mean, I, I know it's it's probably you know a, a painful story for you to recall and retell in many ways. But yes. But, yes. but 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 I may, I know you know so many people have been helped by you being able to be open and vulnerable about it. So yeah, mm-hmm. and and, yeah. and an incredible story and an incredible transformation in, in you and your family. Um, so yeah, thanks so much for, for being here today and uh, on Signs of the Times Radio. No worries. Thank you so much for um, uh, giving me the opportunity to share, share my story and hopefully that you know, it could um, transform somebody else's life. Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Science of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit scienceofthetimes.org.au. Signs of the Times has been published in Australia since 1886 and is proudly produced by Adventist Media.